Hello, friends. This is the Messenger Podcast, where our goal is to develop messengers whose lives tell the story of the gospel. The gospel, the good news of life, can reach into every part of our everyday. So we're going to use this time to explore what that means for you and your world. Today, I'm joined by someone you're really going to love. Adam, welcome to the show. Addison, huge fan of yours. Uh, Just a big honor to be on with you. There's few people that I respect and looked up to more than yourself. And so I'm grateful to learn from you today as well. So I I can't wait to get the wisdom that I know you have inside you. No way, man. I'm setting you up today. This is The wisdom is pouring in my direction today. (laughs) I am so excited. Ever since we first connected, when I got to be on your podcast, I don't know however many months that was, maybe five months ago, right? Probably five yep. Yep, months probably ago. Yeah, probably five months ago, I feel like there's just been an acceleration in our relationship. Both my mom and I, we were on your podcast, and we came off your podcast, and we were the biggest Adam Weber fans. We were look, we would look at each other and be like, hey, hey, what was your favorite podcast? We were like, Adam, Adam, without a doubt, Adam. You have, no, seriously, Adam, you have this way of making people feel so loved so known, so seen. And that's why I'm so excited about our conversation today. But I'm going to get all like the official bio stuff out of the way. Okay, we're going to do that. And then I'm going to have to ask you some questions about your bio. Because you probably know this about me, like the whole bio thing, I struggle with it, right? I always want to ask follow up questions to the bio. So just get ready. Right? So here's the official bio, though. I'm reading it Ready? All right. Adam Weber is the founder and lead pastor of Embrace, a multi-site church based out of Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Author of Talking with God and Love Has a Name, he also hosts a podcast called The Conversation. Adam still cheers for the Cincinnati Bengals, but no longer drives a Rambler. That's good to know. He's married to his wife, Becky, and has four kids, Hudson, Wilson, Grayson, and Anderson. He also has seven chickens. Is that still the count, or has that changed? It, I think it actually, we're actually up to nine right now, I think. Nine? Okay. Nine <laughs> chickens. Correction. Nine chickens, two dogs, and three fish. But what he really wants is a sheep. A sheep. Okay, a sheep. There, I need. I need to hear that one. You can also find out more at adamweber.com. Okay, so first of all, the sheep. Explain the sheep. Why sheep? So, so I grew up. My dad actually always wanted to be a farmer. He, uh, my grandpa was a farmer. Both of my grandpas were farmers. Well, my dad, when he graduated from high school, his dad would not let him be a farmer. He said, "Hey, farming's going downhill." So as soon my dad became an electrician, as soon as he had the financial ability to start buying animals, for no reason, he did. <laughs> so we, we, we bought an acreage on the edge of town. We had a donkey. We had Canadian geese. We had one pig. We did have sheep. We had goats. We had peacocks that escaped the week we got them. And so for the next, like, three years, we had peacocks on the roof of our house that woke us up wow. every morning. So I don't know. It, basically, it's my dad's fault. <laughs> but I, I've always wanted a sheep, just just one of them. There's even a specific breed that I've... There's a specific breed. (laughs) Okay, so you know sheep. You're a sheep guy. You're a sheep guy. (laughs) One night in the middle of the night... You don't know a sheep guy. You are a sheep guy. I am a sheep. (laughs) I'll never forget it. One night, I couldn't sleep, so I'm on my phone in bed. My wife looks over and she's like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm reading through the city codes of Sioux Falls to see if I can somehow wiggle a sheep into those city codes. Wow. It's terrible. Wow. Okay. Okay. Well, that, there, there we go. We'll leave it there. Um, all right. So you, you, grew up, you grew up in South Dakota, right? I'm born and raised from the northeast part of the state and then went to college here. Yes. Yep. And then came back yeah. after my master's. Right. So why the Cincinnati Bengals? 
Oh, it's a tragic story. So my uh, my older one I mean, oldest, of all the teams to pick, the Cincinnati Bengals, I'm just, it's, I have it's to terrible. hear this. It's terrible. One of my <laughs> oldest cousins, so I have a ton of cousins. One of my oldest cousins is a Broncos fan, and I was at his house when I was three or four years old. It's one of my oldest memories, and he gave okay. me a football card. I still have it. He gave me an Isaac Curtis football card. Isaac Curtis was a receiver for the Bengals. And since then, I was hooked. It's the only team. I've, I love sports in general, but it's the only team that I have faithfully, faithfully followed. And um, I'm a big Andy Dalton fan of him as a player, but even more so as a human. He is a wonderful I was going to say, you, you gave him a shout-out in this he, book. I saw that. Andy is the real deal. So I'm grieving his loss, but I'm super excited for him and his family to be back in their home state full-time. And yeah. so it's a blessing, but... Uh, yeah, I'm a diehard Bengals fan. I wish you would have given me any other team. Like, could you have, could you have given me, like, the Patriots, the Cowboys and Niners were really good when I was younger. Like, could you have given me any other team to cheer for than the Bengals? So, I mean, you could have been a Steelers fan. How does that feel? <laughs> <laughs> Addison. Oh, everything just goes quiet. Everything goes quiet. <laughs> Addison, you can, like. Radio silence. I'm not kidding. This is so bad. This is so bad. You can tell me that you've left your wife, that you've murdered people, that you've ne- like don't love Jesus, and I'd be like, okay. No, you said that in here. You said that in this book. I was like, we can work with anything. When I find out someone's a Steelers fan, I immediately am like, do you have a soul? Like, do you- you're like, you're like, love does not have a name. <laughs> love does not have your name. have your name. <laughs> Whatever your name is, it's not love. It is not. It is not. And the church I pastor oh. is full of Steelers fans. I'm like, oh, why? Man. Steelers fans are everywhere. They're like a. Well, I don't, they I'll, are I'll everywhere, and they're and they're and they're terrible too with their terrible towels and everything. I mean, they, I'm just saying. My my executive assistant, she's a Steelers fan, so I mean, I can I can say these things, right? Is, doesn't it work like that? If you know and love someone it's who totally, falls in that camp, you can say disparaging things, right? Isn't that how it works? <laughs> you can say anything you want to because I know a guy. I know a guy. I can say I know a guy, so I could say. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, well, Adam, again, thank you so much for being yes. on the podcast. I am. I joke about your book, Love as a Name, but there's there's nothing to joke about when you look at this book. I I dug into it. I read it so quickly. My wife kept trying to take it from me. I wouldn't let her take it from me. I've already given away a copy to someone else. And I'm I'm excited for, for our audience to get to hear your heart for this message because this is a yeah. message that our world needs, especially right now. And so could you could you give us from an author's perspective, could you talk about this book and why you wrote it? Yeah. So uh, first off, thank you for the kind words, Addison. I, st- I still can't believe that I've had the ability to write a book, not to mention two of them. And I genuinely feel that way. This this book for me really came out of a season of pain for me. Um, I have very few strong suits, but if I had a few, it'd be the gift of gab, joy, and just a genuine love for people. I mean, I've, I've always just really loved people. Well, a few years ago, yeah. for the first time in my life, really ever, I didn't want to love anybody. I wanted to love my wife and kids, a few close friends, and that's about it. I just, I think it was a combination of being burnt out, just, you know, running too fast and also a season of really feeling hurt. Like just, I felt deeply hurt for the first time really in my life in that way. And um, it's crazy now I'm standing in one of the sweetest seasons of my life. 
if, if anybody's listening and you're, you're and you're in the midst of, a se- midst of a season of pain, I just want to tell you uh, how crazy could it be if that season of pain is a setup for one of the greatest seasons, most life-giving seasons you've ever experienced? Because I promise you, that's not just something I'm sharing at, from a pastor, and I should say that on stage. No, it's something that I've lived. I mean, this weekend, I, 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 I got emotional thinking about how God has blessed me. Like, I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, God, are you kidding me? Like, I just can't believe it. You're so kind and so faithful. And so this book, again, it came out of a season of not wanting to love anybody. Thankfully, Jesus doesn't let us stay in those places, though. And so even, I'm talking not, not when I was writing the book, but in my own, like, aching moments with Jesus, him just saying, hey, we can't stay here. We can't camp out here. I want you to feel these feelings, and I want you to process all this pain, Adam, but we can't stay here. And so a combination yeah. of him just kind of gently leading me by the hand and also a combination of him just beginning to point out all the people who had loved me so well over the years. You know, specifically in seasons of pain, all we focus on are all the people causing pain. And yeah. I, even if you're not in a season of pain, I'm guessing if, if, if I were to ask who are the five people who have hurt you, I mean, you could list them off really quick because you've probably had a boxing match with them in your brain. You've yelled at them in your car when there's nobody in your car with you. You know, so so often we focus on all the people who have caused us pain. But what if we began to focus on all the people who have loved us so well? Yeah. And uh, even just this last week, I was at, in a place that I hadn't been for a while, like location-wise. I took my first trip in the virus. And uh, I just began to think about this season of my life that was such a – there were so many people who encouraged me and loved me. Uh, when Beck and I lived in Kentucky those few years, it was just like, and so I just started thinking about all these people that I had crossed paths with. There was a pastor, who's ne- he's never written a book, he's never going to be at a conference of any kind, who just had a profound impact on my life that I was able to say thank you to. And wow. it's just awesome. So so what the really the book is the story of 27 people. None of them have platforms, none of them are, are big deals. 27 people who have either loved me or I've tried to love them connected with someone similar that Jesus loved. And, and so it's, the, it's these stories of people that uh, was pretty cool to be able to share about and talk about and, and just honor. I, I want to be really good at honoring people, specifically people who rarely get honored. Um, that's the person I mm. really want to honor. Like, hey, you made a difference in my life. Hey, God mm. is using you. And it may not seem like God is using you, but he's profoundly used you in my life. I love, I love something you write. I'm going to pull out the book and read something on page 164. <clears throat> you said this, and I love this. I think people need to hear this today. We talk on this show, we talk about the idea that we are all messengers. Every single one of us, where we, wherever we live, whatever we do, whoever we're around, we are messengers. And you say this, you say, but there were many other things Jesus did that seemed quite simple and pretty ordinary. Touching the leper who hadn't been touched by another person in a long time. Standing with the lady caught in adultery when everyone else was grabbing stones. Taking the time to listen to the two blind men everyone else was telling to be quiet. For me, the times I've most clearly seen God's love have been, have been through people. Through Jake, Joy, Antonio, Tyler, and Travis, a neighbor named Laurent, Brett, Rick, and Val, my kids, my wife. I just love this. I love it. It's everywhere, right? Yeah. Love has a name. It's everywhere. It's all around us. And the way you take us on that journey through this book... Man, it's special and it's incredibly intimate. I found I found myself challenged, encouraged, excited for what God's going to do in my own life, right? And what I've seen him do in my own life and going back to what you mentioned about these difficult seasons, like we really we really can't understand the depths of God's faithfulness 
until we've had a reason to doubt it. But when we take, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh. until we've really like had a reason to doubt it, a real reason. And, and I feel like you take us through that journey in this book. Um, so again, you highlight 27 people, 27 stories. <laughs> you talk about the different intersections. One of your chapters is about a former neighbor of yours named Bill. And it, it's, one of, it's one of my favorite, okay? Like, I actually texted you before we got on and I was like, hey, so is there a particular thing you want us to talk about? And you're like, well, this story is one of my favorites. Well, it was already on my list of things to ask you about. Because this story, when I read this, man, I was, I was in pain as I was reading it, just putting myself in your position as a father and a neighbor. But then to watch God's redemptive process through it. Anyway, I don't want to steal your thunder, but will you please tell us that story? Yeah, so a couple of years ago, the the rental house behind us came open, and we got two new neighbors, uh, two two men. I'm kind of changing some details here, but two men in their mid 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 thirties, mid forties, and uh, at first they were great neighbors, really kind and polite. And the one person, one of the guys' names was Bill, and he just had a great smile, great laugh. We quickly got to know each other. I mean, every time I went over there, I'm like, I have no idea what we're going to talk about next. But I know I've not talked about whatever we're going to talk about with anyone else. Right? Right. Like, I mean, just some of the most bizarre conversations. Well, uh, so they moved in and all of a sudden the traffic around our house began to increase. Um, and then shortly they added a third roommate and a fourth roommate. And we started having traffic 24 seven. Uh, and trash, I mean, like bagfuls of trash. I used to tell Becky, I'm like, do they just open their doors and like push out their trash in the middle of the road? And it quickly became clear that they were selling something and it wasn't Girl Scout cookies. They were selling drugs. I mean, I had to show my kids, this is a needle. And uh, hey, when we see these mom and dad, pick them up and throw them away. I mean, just conversations that it was rough. I mean, just uh, yeah. 24-7 people are coming and going. Uh, well, one one day I, I came out of my garage and Bill right away, hey, Adam, how are you doing? And he comes over and he said, and we had really developed a friendship, like really genuinely a friendship, not just like a, hey, you kind of wave at your neighbor, but hey, I sit on your front yeah. porch on a regular basis. And he said, hey, you've maybe noticed we have some some traffic. And I, and I jokingly said back, I was like, some traffic? And he's like, what? And I said, I've actually been thinking about stopping and offering to give you advice on how to sell drugs and not get caught. <laughs> and he's like, what? What? And he, he knew that I knew what he was doing, but I wasn't condemning him. Yeah. And he said, I know. I know. I'm trying to get my life on track. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. And, uh, and he said, and you probably know that I'm on the sex offender list. And uh, I, I didn't say anything back, but I didn't know. And he's like, and he's like. It looks really bad. It was with a little kid, but I want you to know I didn't do it. I, I didn't do it. And so we, we finished our conversation. I walked back to my house. I, ch I checked the sex offender list and um, sure enough, he's on there for doing something with a, like a little, little kid. And, uh, you know, Jesus says to love your, your neighbor as yourself. And uh, he's actually being questioned by a religious guy at that time. Like, what's the most important commandment? And, you know, after walking away from Bill's house that day, I feel like I felt like I had a couple questions of, for Jesus myself. Like, <laughs> but do you have to love your neighbor if they're trashing your block? Yeah. Okay, what are the okay. conditions here? Yeah, okay, okay, but what if they're what if they're selling drugs? Okay, okay, but what if they're what if they're a pedophile and you have four kids of your own yeah. under the age of thirteen? And so for me in this moment, um mm it really became, okay, what does love look like? And we, we find out by, um, from, from Jesus that, that he's full of grace and truth, not 50-50, but 100 and 100. And 
I'll just say yes. it for us. That's really messy. You know, the church has been trying to define what that means for the last 2000 years and we haven't been able to do it. And the same is true with loving somebody. Um, it's, yeah. it's really easy to like black and white. This is exactly how you do it. And then you have a neighbor like Bill that shows up and it's like, okay, what does that mean? Well, with the truth side of things, it means, it means having some very clear boundaries for your kids and talking through that. The truth side of things, just to be totally candid, I called the cops on Bill on a regular basis. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes loves me means calling the cops. And I did, yeah. I did that for my family and I did that for my neighbor's family, but I also did it for Bill um, because he's the one, I didn't say this, he's the one that said, I'm trying to get my life back on track. I want to change, but I can't. And so oftentimes I would call the cops on Bill when I knew drug activity was there right now. And then literally 10 minutes later, I would walk back and have a conversation with him as a friend. And you would say like, no, that contradicts. You're talking out of both sides. Right. Of your you can't mouth. do both of those. Yeah. And I'd be like, no, actually love is really, really messy. And yeah. just because I called the cops on him really for his own interest doesn't mean that I also shouldn't stop moments later and off, ask if he wants one of my amazing chocolate chip cookies that I just made, you know? And so, but, but more than anything, what Bill taught me is love is more than a theory. And I think as Christians, we get really, really good at loving people and loving Jesus in theory. And um, we know all the answers and we know all the things, and yet we never put it into reality. Um, it's really easy to be a good, per- perfect parent or spouse in theory. It's really, really hard to be even a relatively good husband or, sp- like, or dad in, in reality. And I think yeah. it, like in this day and age right now, I think if we begin to love people like Jesus, full of grace and truth, the world and the people around us would be irresistibly drawn to us. You know, yes. the world is so yes. tired of Christians in theory. And it, you know, the, 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 that religious leader expert was questioning Jesus. He knew the ins and outs of the 613 different commandments that you were supposed to follow, you yeah. know? And I think that's what the world sees us as Christians. Like, can I tell you my, my, how, just how smart I am about these 613 different commandments. And Jesus is like, how about we focus on two? <laughs> and so like and and not just in theory but in reality and so i yeah. per people like bill um they they press me to actually look like jesus and i can remember thinking like god you are challenging me because it's one thing to preach this it's another thing to live it yeah and i want to yeah. be i want to be a christian not just a pastor but a christian who's living it 10 times before i ever think about preaching something because it's like, yeah. Jesus, would there be such a richness of where this comes from that it'd be true in my life? Come on. I love that. So let me ask you this. For people who are listening, who have their, they have kids, they have people that they're responsible for, people that they want to protect. Can you give some insight into how you navigated those conversations about Bill in a way that respected <laughs> Bill, but also protected your children? Oh, it, no, it's that are my number one priority. Again, this is that balance of grace and truth. My number one priority is to protect my kids and not even just my kids, but the two next door neighbor kids who are young as well. And so for, for me, uh, gosh, just balance of grace and truth. And I don't even know if I did it right. So a couple different things that day we had our family meeting and I told Becky that my wife, the situation, and I said, Hey, here's the details. I want to be very wise, very, very smart and protective of our kids, but I don't want it to change the way specifically that you and I treat him and love him and see him. And that's messy. Yeah. So we had our meeting and I'm like, okay, kids, 
when you go outside, what's, what's the rules? We need to go out with my brother and sister. Why are you asking this? It's none of your business. <laughs> and, if, and if somebody offers you something or invites you into their home, yeah. what do you need to say? I need to talk with my mom or dad. Why are you asking us this? It's none of your business. Yeah. You know, like just walking through that very, very clearly. Mm. And then I had a conversation with, with my neighbor as well. Just to say yes. it, Bill's not just somebody who's at the low of society as a whole. He's at the bottom of society in a place like prison. You know, I mean, this guy has no value. Most people would say our world would be better without him. I don't know how to get rid of yeah. him, but I wish he'd disappear is what our world would say. Next time there's a pedophile in a news story, read the comments to find out what other people think of them. And so I, I didn't want that to be the case. And yet again, it's the true side of things. I love our neighbor kids are two, like two of my kids' best friends. And so I would just be heartsick. And so I said, hey, here's, here's the deal. Here's what I found out about Bill. I want you to know I have a relationship with him and a friendship with him. He's somebody I genuinely care about. And yet I also, I also want to protect him and I want to protect our kids. And so here's the details. And at first, I mean, they were, they were rattled, as was I. Sure. As was I. Again, my four yeah. kids, nothing is more important than my kids. And so it was really just having that honest conversation and saying, hey, if you want to just be another set of eyes as well, we'll be another set of eyes. Just watching the neighborhood, just being really, really intentional with our relationships. And again, for me, the other part of it was regularly calling the police. I mean, it was almost daily that it was such blatant drug activity. I'm like, you guys are the worst drug dealers I've ever seen. <laughs> like you're trying to get caught. Oh, you're trying I'm like, to get you, caught. Like, so I'm, I'm going to help you. <laughs> yes. but, but again, that balance. It, but the grace, the grace side of things was, here's the grace side of it. This is even harder yeah. for me. Uh, the grace side of things was, was stopping over and saying hello. Treating them the same, yes. like in in conversation, yes. bringing them chocolate chip in cookies. I thought I was a generous person. This is it's it sounds hilarious, but it's it's really convicted me. I found out I'm a generous person until you asked to borrow my lawnmower for, for the fifth time in a row, and then I'm not. And uh, <laughs> you know, like, and so I, even with that though, like, even with that though, what's the true side of that? Am I enabling four grown adults just to use my mower and my gas every time? Am I helping them sure. take a step up, or am I? Whatever, and so even that part of thing gets, gets gets really, really, really messy. And and the day, so they finally ended up moving out. I mean, the 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 neighborhood cops, half of them attend my church, and they said they said, Adam, your neighbor has everything except a blinking sign that says drugs. And 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 then Bill, my neighbor, actually, I didn't say a word to him. He actually took two pieces of paper and wrote on them. This is not a drug house, and taped them to the sides of his doors. Oh, and the, pl my the police officers are like, anytime you see a sign on the house that says this is not a drug house, that's a very <laughs> clear sign. This is in fact a drug house. <laughs> and so Bill finally moved oh. out, and I, there was a huge part of me that was relieved as a parent, uh, just even our neighborhood being cleaned. And he, here's the the part that ministered to my own soul. I was actually sad to see him go. Mm. Why? Because I had, I had learned to love him. Mother Teresa says, uh, love people well, starting with those who are nearest to you. Mm. For me, that was Becky. That was my four kids. The next nearest person to me was Bill. And uh, to, think that, to think that 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 displays where my relationship with Jesus is really challenges me. You know, like, Adam, but what will you do when it's Bill? You know, Zacchaeus, he wasn't a pedophile, but he would have been almost equally as hated. 
Yeah. There wouldn't have been yeah. there wouldn't have been the stigma of you're disgusting with him, but maybe sure. maybe even that mm. maybe even a that. form of disgust. Yeah, a, a form, form of disgust. disgust. That's right. Yeah. And so yeah. like I just yeah. think about even that. Like, but will you love Zacchaeus? Oh, I don't want to love Zacchaeus. Why don't you pick a different person in Jericho here to pick and come <laughs> over to their house? And so like it just is really. I mean, it's just that grace and truth thing. We yes. we all want to lean towards one or the other. And I think once we figure out which way we lean, we need to intentionally in every situation intentionally lean to the opposite. Mm. I'm a grace person. I need to intentionally lead to the truth side. You're a truth side. You need to intentionally lead to the grace side because Jesus is both. And I want both. Mm. And I want to reflect both. And I want people to see Jesus' fullness, grace, and truth in my words, my attitude, my actions, and everything. Well, I love how you said it's 100% both. Because I think we do have this idea that it is, it's just teeter-totters, right? It's like, yeah. I'm more grace, I need to do more truth. I'm more truth, truth, I need to do more grace. But in reality, it's, no, grow in both. Because the reality is both grace and truth emanate from the infinite person of God. So they're beyond exhaust, oh. right? Oh. And we get to live in that tension. So what does it mean to be people who who live by a greater measure of truth than anything that we've ever seen, but also live by a greater measure of grace than anything we've ever seen. Like that's the journey of discipleship. It is. Right? That's the journey into the fullness of what it is to be in Christ and to live from that new creation reality. What am, what am I? And that's, and that's what you're doing with this book, man. Oh. That's what you're challenging us to do. And I love it. But you're using real people, <laughs> real names, real scenarios. Yeah. Because it's one thing to talk about this in theory. Right? We all know what we're supposed to do. We all know the conversations that Jesus had with the Pharisees. But even there, to your point, in, in his chapter, I think where he does the seven woes, what is it, like Matthew 22, Matthew 23, around there, yes. he turns around and basically tells them, hey, I've just said seven woes, and now I'm going to tell you, I'm going to die for you. You, the Pharisees, I am going to die for you. All of the righteous blood, all of that, I am going to become the embodiment of that, and I'm going to die for even you. You talk about AC kid. <laughs> you know the pharisee bro i'm just saying you know <laughs> and i and they know those are some of the hardest people to love i've heard that parable with the tax collector and the pharisee flipped on its head nt wright did this once it was really interesting he flipped it on its head and he said you know a lot of us we're the tax collector and we look over at the pharisee we're like thank god i'm not like that pharisee isn't that the truth it, right? it's so easy to be so, that, but it's, it's, it's really the when you understand both like and that Jesus is both. And for me, a grace person, without truth, it's not love. I, one of my favorite no. psalms, Psalm 40, this is the grace part. He lifts us out of the mire and out of the mud and clay and sets our feet. Here's the truth uh, on a new path, and he puts a new song yes. within us. That's the, yes, that's the truth on. side. I'm like, thank you for not just getting me out of the pit. Thank you for putting me on yeah. a new path. Thank you for putting yes. a new song within me because, God, I don't want to keep singing this old song, my song. I want to sing your song. And, and again, it, it's amazing what can happen. Uh, back to that small things and little things, those little moments. I, I look back, and I'm so glad I'm just coming to realize this now. I have a fear at this point in my life, Jesus would say to me, Adam, the things that you thought were big things were actually really small things, and the things that you thought were small things were actually really, really big things. And I'm, I'm really coming to this place where I genuinely believe, you know, this last weekend got to preach on one of the biggest stages of my life. I'm really beginning to believe the, the small moments in many ways will be the, the, the preaching to the crowds, the, the book deals, all those kind of things. And then the big things will be people like crossing paths with Antonio. 
crossing yes. paths with Merle the other night. I, there's a man named Merle that I've been praying for. He he was in his second round of getting a, a job and he didn't get the job. And I said, I'm embarrassed that I haven't asked you sooner. Can I ask what your name is? And he said, my, na- my name's Merle. And I said, my name's Adam. And he's like, I know that. I'm like, oh, great. Well, I live right here. And he's like, I know that. And then, then Merle began to tell me all about Jesus and God's faithfulness right after losing a job. And Merle, oftentimes, I know what corner he usually sits at with a sign that asks for money. And I'm just like, in that moment, I, t- I told Merle, I said, this is the best message I've heard all week. And I preached on Sunday myself because he told me about God's faithfulness. And there was this richness that came from him rather than me of saying, but God is faithful. Let me tell you about the faithfulness of God. And um, I just think those small moments that we think are small are actually the great moments. And those are the moments that Jesus sees us and um, he says, I'm so well pleased with you. And um, what these small moments that are done in the secret place in a good sense, those are the things that I rejoice over. How you treat, mm-hmm. how you treated this person. Another thing I've been trying to do lately is uh, oftentimes when we walk into a room with people, we try to identify the people at the top right away. And we try to be buddy, buddy, friend, friend with all of them. I, I've Lately, I've just been hearing God say, that's an easy thing. E- even people who don't know me do that, Adam. Like, do you want right. a gold star now or later? <laughs> how, about, how about in every room you walk in, you immediately in your mind try to, try to evaluate who's at the bottom, who's at the low? And then, hey, how about you get as close to them as you possibly can? And you don't talk to them and share all your deep insights. How about instead you listen to them and find yeah. out a little bit more about my heart from them? And, uh, and that's something I've been, I've been just really challenged by lately. It's like, okay, uh, do I know the names of the nobodies? That would be the first person that Jesus would walk. I, I, I picture him coming yes. into my church and he'd like, wait, hey, Adam, how are you doing? And then, yeah, and, yeah we'll talk to you later. Yeah, like, we'll talk, yeah, I'll catch you later, Adam. <laughs> I got some people I got to talk to first. Exactly. And I just am like, am I drawn to the people that Jesus yeah. is drawn to? Come and, on. Uh, am I sitting with the people that, that people that Jesus is sitting with? And even just for me lately, I, I, I've, I've had this like challenge of like, and I don't want you just to cross paths with them. I want you to be very accessible to them. And so yes. there's a kid on my block named Dwight that I just have felt God just nudging. He's an eighth grader that I just feel like God has made a leader. His family doesn't attend church anywhere. I've just been pouring into him. And I'm like, Dwight, you're a leader, not a follower. And I just, I feel like God has a call on your life. You're going to be used. God is going to, he just has his hand on you. And this, this kid is just coming alive in front of me. He comes from a family that I, I I just, I don't think there's high expectations or even any expectations. And I'm just like, hey, God has got something mm-hmm. special on your life. And I want to be, I want to be as accessible to him as I am to one of our executives on our team here or the person who's got, you know, gives big gifts. I'm like, does Dwight sure. have the same access? Because he needs to. For my, oh, for my soul, not even just for his, for my soul. Right. Like, right. I need it for me. Yeah. Well, I... And again, going back to the book, I love this because the kingdom of God, it advances at the intersection of relationships. That's where the kingdom of God advances. Yeah. And you have to know someone's name. Yeah. You have to know that story. And that's, and that's what you're doing with this, man. Like I started to see real people in my life differently because I read this book. It's awesome. And I want that. I want that for the people who listen to this podcast because so many of us, we're chasing significance. We're chasing meaning. We're chasing opportunity. We're chasing a sense of purpose. And what you've done right here is you've said, guys, Jesus gave us a model. 
it's a beautiful model. It's as you said earlier, you pouring into Dwight. It's not just about Dwight. It's about you. It's about what God's doing in your soul. It's about the expansion of what is happening inside of you. And that's going to continue to pour out into the lives of your church and the lives of the people that you interact with day in and day out. So Adam, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for doing the hard work of penning this. I know multiple times throughout the book, you describe where you were when you were writing it and what you were going through and what you were feeling. And I know when you write a project like this, there's discouragement, there's confusion. The enemy of your soul doesn't want you to lean in to God's grace and pen something that's truly from his heart. And I want to thank you for leaning in. I want to thank you for getting over your opinion of yourself. Like you end this book with a chapter on you. And you're challenging us to receive the love that God has for us and see ourselves the way God sees us. So before we close, could you, could you do me a favor? I don't yeah. normally do this, but could you do me a favor? Could you pray over yeah. everyone listening? Absolutely. I would, I would just love for you to do that. Yeah, I'm honored to do so. Heavenly Father, God, we are just so thankful for you. And I, I give you thanks for this time with my brother Addison, someone who is so just from the moment we cross paths has shown me what your love is all about. Lord, I pray for anybody who's listening specifically. I just want to pray for that person who's maybe jaded, that person who's maybe been hurt, mm. that person who feels yes. betrayed, that person who feels wronged, um, that person who's maybe quick to, to set up walls and build walls that are so impenetrable for anybody that comes up to them. God, I pray for, for that person specifically because that person was me two years ago. And, and, and Jesus, I'm so thankful you don't let us stay there. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters who are in that place. That, that one by one, you'd start taking walls down. Uh, one by one, you'd help them to trust again. One, one by one, you'd bring healing if, there, if there's pain. Maybe pain that's been there for a long, long time and they've been wounded and so they just got their defenses up, God. Lord, would you help us to, to, to love people? Uh, you make it so basic. There's not 613 different commandments. You just, you're just like, let's just focus on two. And so, Lord, would you help us to love you? Would you help us to come to uh, maybe our, 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 the first moment that we fell in love with you, remind us of that moment again. Um, help us to just understand your tenderness, your grace, your truth, your kindness, just a little bit more today. Help us to realize that we're loved and it's because we're loved, Lord, that, that, that we're able to love others. We can't do this on our own. I don't wanna love anybody on my own. And so God, would you fill us? We're thankful that you lavish us with your love. God, would you just fill our words? Would you fill our ad actions, our attitudes, our, our subtle looks that we give? Would you just fill every part of it with your love? And I even pray today, maybe there's one person we cross paths with today that we've never asked just the simple question of what's your name? What's your name? Just ask the person their name, God. And then just maybe listen to a part of their story. That's, that's maybe the, the first step that we can take today in just loving somebody is just ask a person their name. And so God, I thank you so for so fully loving us. Uh, for loving us with grace and also with truth. And we thank you so much for sending us Jesus. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. 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 Adam, thank you. Thank you yeah. for being on today. <laughs> I, know, I know you have a lot going on in your world. I know you're very intentional with your time. You've got a lot of people to love there in Sioux Falls. <laughs> and so it means a lot that you would jump on here to show us love and to share this message with our listeners. And Y'all, if you're listening and you haven't picked up the book yet, please get out there. Get the book, Love Has a Name, on Amazon. You can go to adamweber.com. It's amazing. I, I don't get to read all the books that I, I feature on the podcast, but I did get to read this one in its entirety, and I've even given copies away, and it's impacted my life, and I know it's going to impact yours. And so, Adam, again, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for doing the hard work of 
laying your opinion of yourself down at the foot of the cross. Like that's, that's the hardest work that we all get to do and for teaching us how to do that. And all of you listening today, thank you so much for tuning in. Remember as you go that you are a messenger to the people in your world. Your life is a message of love. So lean into God's grace and watch your world change. Until next time. Thanks for listening to The Messenger Podcast. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review. You can subscribe and share these episodes through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, be sure to check out our other shows in The Messenger Podcast Network, including The Godmother with Lisa Bevere, Conversations with John and Lisa, and Let's Talk About It with Sons and Daughters. You can connect with us through Facebook, Instagram, and through our website at messengerinternational.org. Until next time.